Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think they're a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Oh, is it me this week? Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 141 of Citizen Dame, the podcast where Christopher Nolan is just a big old whiny baby. Uh, I am Karen Peterson, joined as always by Lauren Humphreys Brooks. I'm going to keep a running list of like, okay, who can fuck off? Christopher Nolan, Ari Aster, <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Like the list just keeps on getting longer and longer. I'm going to add David Fincher to that. Uh... <laughs> yep. How are you, Lauren? I'm, I'm not bad. I'm pretty yeah. good. Pretty you had good. a good week? Yeah. I, have, I have had a fairly good week, yes. All right, good. Um, well, you know who has not had a good week is uh, Warner Brothers. <laughs> so... <laughs> um yeah. of course yeah we talked about this last week warner brothers announced that their entire 2021 slate is going day and date which means that they will release it in theaters they're not skipping the theaters but they're also putting it on hbo max so people don't have to go risk their lives during a pandemic to sit in a not so crowded theater and watch movies that most of them are gonna be mediocre let's face it well there's been some stuff that happened this week most vocally from christopher nolan who is really mad about it even though as he says himself he has no skin in the game because his movie already came out and tanked so um, in the united (laughs) states in the united states as some reply guy reminded me of and then i was just like yes that is exactly the point of my comment yeah is and and also by the way the united states doesn't count apparently it's like not a thing oh oh who cares about the box office in the united states no one no No one one ever talks about it it's not important yeah well now i'm curious all right it did do 359 worldwide that's that is respectful um but 57 million in the u.s which would also be great except for the problem is that the movie costs like 200 million dollars to make so even 359 worldwide is not good because it needed to make 500 million (laughs) to really be profitable so whatever i mean i don't i do not yeah i do not understand what nolan and warner brothers in the release of tenet thought was going to happen given that as we were discussing before we started recording many of the major definitely the theaters in major metropolitan areas have been closed like closed like not open not even Mm -hmm. like partially open with limited capacity the movie theaters in new york city have been closed since march of 2020 yeah like and so i don't know what they thought was like how you can release a film in that situation and it's it doesn't matter if i wanted to go see it or i didn't want to go see it i can't go see it because the fucking theaters are closed right and it's the same in la county so la county and new york the two biggest markets in the united states which does matter 
uh, were closed. And the thing is, like, a lot of movies that have just been able, like, I mean, this has been a huge revival for drive-ins, but they specifically would not allow Tenet to be shown in a drive-in in a market where the indoor theaters were closed. So you couldn't go see Tenet or, or you, yeah, you couldn't see Tenet at a drive-in in LA or New York. So that wasn't even an option. So like, I, this was so stupid. Yeah, and so I don't know, it's just like, ah, it didn't make money. It's like, yeah, no shit. Of course it didn't make money. Like if it'd been released in a normal world, then maybe, but it, it wasn't going to because you're, you're, I, what do you think when the theaters are closed you can't go to the theater like even if you want to in the middle of a fucking pandemic right well and there's such a film twitter attitude about christopher nolan where they think that because they love him and because they think everything he does is gold uh and let me tell you i'm a big fan of a lot of his movies but no they're not all gold um but they think because they love them and because you know there's these like whatever big deep movies that the the general audiences are going to flock to it because it's got christopher nolan's name on it and that's not the case i you know i just randomly sampled some people that i know and asked them like name three christopher nolan movies besides batman and two of them told me oh well if you hadn't said he directed batman i wouldn't even have known that (laughs) and others were like um was he the guy that did inception i'm like yeah and they're like oh, okay wait did he do other stuff yeah <laughs> so it's like outside of film twitter mm-hmm. a lot of people like you can't just slap his name on it and sell your movie people went and saw batman not because it was christopher nolan's batman but because it was batman yeah and he doesn't seem to get that he's not the prestige name it's the stuff that he's doing people are interested in it and they want to go see it not because it's got his name on it yeah anyway well, <laughs> yeah go go on i was I, I was gonna say that i don't like i think that some of this may come off like we or i or both of us maybe are like standing for warner brothers at some level i think that warner brothers behaved really stupidly yes um throughout this entire thing and like and at the end of the day warner brothers is about the bottom line and yes christopher nolan does make them does make the money so does denis Villeneuve. so do all of these films so they they're trying to maximize their profit basically that is the bottom line of all of this this is not about art this is not about how you're supposed to see art or anything like that this is about how much money can they make in a situation where it's difficult to make money making movies right now because and distributing movies right now because movie theaters are closed mm-hmm. and because even where they're open people are far less likely to go to them um because there's again a fucking pandemic that is not yet over in the united states and that is actually getting worse in a lot of places Mm -hmm. so you know at the end of the day warner brothers did a stupid thing and they're doing a stupid thing and who the hell knows how this is all going to work out but none of this is about the artistic integrity of the cinematic medium this is about how much money they can make right yeah exactly and i i think that their mistake was in saying okay we're doing this for all of 2021 right now i think if they had done it for okay the next like x number of our releases instead of changing the release dates again we're gonna go ahead and do this i think people would have been less mad about it um but 
but yeah, to just say, okay, we're putting our whole 2021 yeah. slate. I mean, I personally was glad they just went ahead and made the decision, but also as we were talking about before we started recording, it really hadn't occurred to me that they didn't talk to anyone before they made this decision. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of back-end deals now that are going to be really messed up, which I'm sure Warner Brothers is glad about because they don't, I mean, it's such a trick in the movie business that you have people negotiate like, oh, I'm going to get point whatever percent of the profits and then they do all these funky calculations so that technically even a movie that makes a billion dollars had no profits uh talk to peter jackson and new line about that one <laughs> um but yeah so there's all these all the unions the wga the dga uh they're getting involved now because this affects the writers the directors the producers um Christopher Nolan tried to pretend that he cares about like the key grips and stuff because <laughs> he's just like yeah this is uh this isn't about me this is about these other people and it is but it's like yeah you're not the you're not the one that should be speaking for them but mm -hmm. anyway there's a lot of issues here and I think what's going to end up happening is that the unions are going to force Warner to undo this decision yeah, it, it seems like I think that one of the the bigger issues, less so about talking to the the individual filmmakers, and more about talking with with production companies like Legendary, who appeared not to know what the fuck was going on. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah, this this was this was a ploy, and it was a ploy that they thought they could just sort of impose on people, I guess, and they can't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it seems highly likely that at least there's going to be a walk back of at least some of this. Although I kind I mean, from a business perspective, I do kind of understand why they, they did what they did in terms of just deciding we're just going to release all of them in 2020, all of the 2021 slate like this. Uh, because one of the first things that they were trying to do was to push people to go subscribe to HBO Max. And mm -hmm. I had a moment, definitely, you know, like I have a Roku, which they haven't yet come to an agreement with HBO Max on. Yep. Uh, but I did have a moment where I was just like, oh, well, I'm, I should probably go subscribe to HBO Max now. And I was like, no, I shouldn't because I can't actually get HBO Max via my Roku. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's no point in me doing it, but there was that like almost immediate impetus, like, oh, I should go subscribe to this thing now. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're going for. They're trying to burgeon up this, the streaming service that isn't doing great. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I had an HBO subscription and I mean, I've had it for years. And as soon as the HBO max hit and it was the same price as HBO, but I couldn't access HBO max. I was just like, well, fine, forget it. I'm not paying for this until you guys work it out. So I canceled my HBO subscription with the knowledge that as soon as HBO Max is available on Roku, I will resubscribe. And I've had so many people, all men, of course, trying to explain to me, and they're friends and I love them. They're great people, but they've all tried to explain to me, oh, well, but you can do this and that and you can hook up the blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I know I can subscribe on my laptop. I can hook it up to my TV. I know I can do that. And I know how to do that. I don't want to have to. So no, until they figure their shit out, I'm just not going to pay them my $15 a month to not have to hook up my laptop to my TV. 
Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's ridiculous. They need to come. To, I mean, I I'm gonna guess that that they are gonna come to an agreement eventually, especially if the if this deal even partially moves forward, because otherwise both Roku and HBO are going to lose customers, and yeah. that's exactly what they don't want. HBO Max wants people to subscribe to their service, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they need to come to an agreement with one of the biggest. Uh, um, you know, I don't know what are Roku's even called like. It's a device. It's a streaming device. Yeah, Yeah. streaming device. There we go. Mm -hmm. I was about to say streaming service. I just said, but they're not really a streaming service, although there is the (laughs) Roku channel. Everything is very confusing now. (laughs) Yeah, people, that's the other thing. Like someone else this week was suggesting that Roku just needs to stop worrying about these deals with all these other companies and just start producing their own stuff. I'm like, no, they don't. (laughs) They do what they do really well. (laughs) They need to stick with it. Soon I will be producing my own stuff. I just want to let everybody know. Since well, I'm everyone else, Spider-Man three. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, but uh, yeah, I think part of this Warner Brothers HBO Max thing is the timing is interesting because this week was also the um, this was not even an intended segue, but um, this week was the Disney investor meeting where they announced that they've got close to 150 million subscribers on disney plus already um which i mean it took a year to get there but that's that's a lot of households and that they're projecting that by 2024 they'll be in over 300 million houses and i think that's including as they start to open up in more international markets i don't think Mm -hmm. that's just here in the united states because uh that would mean everybody has their own Roku's and stuff and or whatever Disney Pluses, but um, but yeah, so they announced their slate of stuff and confirmed what I've always known that Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is really a Star Wars tie-in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like laughing so hard because they had this graphic of like all the Lucasfilm movies. And Indiana Jones and and Willow were on there with all these Star Wars movies. So it looked like they were tying Indiana Jones and Willow into Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> it was honestly, so funny. at this point, I would not be surprised. They should. Why like, not? they're just like, and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is actually an alternate universe. Han Solo is just like, okay, sure, <laughs> fine. Nothing means anything anymore. It's fine. <laughs> We never did really know the truth about Han Solo's mother. I mean, not Han Solo, Indiana <laughs> Jones's mother. I was gonna say, do I do I care? I don't care. No, I don't care I about don't Han either. Solo's mother. <laughs> we never knew the truth about Han Solo's mother. You just said something that I do not care about in like the most <laughs> remarkable way. Oh, but no, you know, Indiana Jones is so mom, many like, people do care about that. Oh well, that that's that's the thing. I'm like, on the one hand, I was watching uh, because you know I'm being on film Twitter. You can't avoid it almost. But I like logged on. I was just like, why the fuck is everyone talking about Disney? Oh, it's this Disney investors <laughs> meeting because that's now like a Comic Con. I, I guess I don't know. Everyone's yep. paying attention to this shit. Um, <laughs> and so like you know they're talking about all of these new Star Wars shows and everything like that. And I'm sitting there going like, and I've been watching the Mandalorian. Lorian, but I was just like you know what I just realized that I don't really care like yeah. none of this none of this is anything that I care about like 
I, I am enjoying The Mandalorian, um, but really what I enjoy is Baby Yoda. Like I've been informed mm-hmm. that there's one new, one of the new episodes does not include Baby Yoda. And I'm like, well, why the fuck did you make it then? Uh, <laughs> Baby Yoda is the star. It is the Baby Yoda show uh, and everything else is stupid. But that's the, that's the thing. Like I'm sitting there going like, it's not it's not that deep guys let's just talk about this it is not that interesting it's not that deep but of course a lot of people don't feel that way and i appreciate that i don't care but i appreciate that and you know it's (laughs) it's fine i'm just getting tired of it all being i'm i'm tired of the sheer amount of content yeah that disney just keeps on throwing out and none of it is particularly new it's not like they're developing new worlds they're not developing the next star wars they're developing more star wars mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing it's it, i mean i'm a big star wars fan well apparently i'm not because i like pretty much all the movies but um i i looked at that slate of stuff and it's like i don't i was i was interested in the fact that patty jenkins is directing a star wars movie um i think that that is like it's about time that a woman is directing like first unit like the director of the movie um so i'm excited about that and i do want to see taika's take on star wars and i think after the last jedi anything ryan johnson does i'm there for but it just it's even with all that even with directors that i really like that i really admire and that i'm such a huge fan of with those and then all these other shows and spinoffs and whatever it 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 really does feel like too much it's like all this stuff is gonna all tie together it's all gonna like fit in somehow and you've got like the mandalorian as a backdoor pilot for this ahsoka show and you've got this and that and it's just like now you're gonna have something with like people who are barely introduced i don't know and it's just it's a lot and i know that there are people who are gonna be really excited about it but i realize the same thing like i'm not i don't care about all this and it's it makes me wonder like is it going to be one of those things where if you don't watch this show then you're not going to understand what's happening on that one or will they try to keep the keep the storylines separate enough that you can Mm -hmm. follow one without having to watch it all i don't know i mean yeah this has always been my problem with a lot of the star wars stuff and it's my problem also with a lot of the marvel stuff uh, a lot of the dc stuff is that after a while i and i found this like with the last few avengers films and i've definitely found this with some of the star wars things i'm sitting there going like I have no idea who these people are and I'm supposed to because they're referencing things that have obviously happened right and Mm -hmm. and I'm like is this like a backstory that they haven't told us yet or is this like actually something that happened in a previous film or tv show that I don't remember and the problem is that after a while I'm just like well I don't care anymore because I cannot follow who the hell this side character is right that I don't recall I mean even watching the Mandalorian the other day they bring back right the big bad of the previous season and even then I was just like wait a minute who the fuck is that guy because it was like (laughs) this big reveal and I was like wait a minute who is he Mm -hmm. I don't oh yeah that's the guy who's like the bad guy wanted something in the last mm-hmm. one um yeah i'm yeah. so tired yeah i will say i was very surprised and now i'm gonna speak this into the universe and someone's gonna find the tweet and start harassing me but 
Um, I was really surprised last week when I made a joke about, well, it wasn't even a joke. I was serious, but I made a comment about Boba Fett and how like, sure, he can be a badass now. That's fine. But let's not forget. He's the dude that like accidentally flew into the side of a barge and died, like supposedly died. You know, like he was not a badass (laughs) when we met him. And I was really surprised at, at the fact that I didn't get a bunch of hate for <laughs> disparaging a Star Wars character. <laughs> but it's true, man. And now he's getting his own like spinoff show or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, well, sorry. Now I'm thinking just random stuff. But like that also, I went down this weird rabbit hole last night because some people were complaining about Grace Randolph again, which of course they were, because why wouldn't yeah. you? Um but apparently i had totally missed this because i block her from my consciousness but uh apparently she filed some story that pedro pascal like walked off the set of mandalorian and quit halfway through the season and they've had someone else filling in and she's like standing by it it's not true (laughs) everyone's been saying it's not true so then her big weird theory is that there's not really going to be a new boba fett series it's going to be that boba fett takes over the mandalorian i was like this girl is crazy (laughs) i'm so tired 2020 needs to hurry up and end because I, I don't as I saw someone earlier on Twitter say say just like okay nobody ask to hold 2021's beer like no. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like because if it gets weirder I don't know what I'm gonna do <laughs> it's yeah no this nonsense needs to end oh it needs to end but also if you watched this week's second to last episode of the season you will know that obviously he stayed through the whole season or at least through the first seven episodes of it anyway just saying um <laughs> well right right now my main takeaway from from the mandalorian is that baby yoda will become a sith lord um yes i know what a sith lord is because i've paid enough attention uh <laughs> because the dark side has better snacks like yes because that my impression from all of this is that baby yoda is completely driven by her stomach Mm-hmm. and by the consumption of anything baby yoda has committed suicide for snack or suicide genocide for snacks yes so and then felt kind of bad about like it the dark side to me so. yeah then felt kind of bad about it but it was just sort of like well she's like a baby i mean <laughs> just like i would like to eat those eggs oh no (laughs) if you feed the kid then the kid's not gonna go eating stuff that it's not supposed to that's how that works (laughs) that really was all on mando that was his fault well he's not he's not being a very good dad to be totally honest like he's He's not being like here let me explain to you that you're not supposed to commit genocide for eggs just to let you know Uh, and also much more likely to follow the rules if they know why the rules are there yep there you go oh man all right so from baby yoda then we have to shift really briefly to um we have a garbage person this week which is someone that we've known has been a problem but things have been kind of quiet for a while but um this week fka twigs whose real name is i don't have it in front of me Anyway, um, she was in a relationship with Shia LaBeouf for a while, 
it was very 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 bad relationship and she has now sued him for uh domestic abuse and um i don't know like assault yeah it's it's pretty yeah, bad the, the, the the suit is uh and this this is from an npr article that we'll we'll also post on the on the notes um, talia barnett that's her name yeah Sorry. so he's she's accused him of abusing her physically mentally and emotionally during their year-long relationship which began in 2018 it's a civil suit uh and she alleges that he choked her and threw again and threw her against a car yeah uh, I believe they met on the set of Honey Boy, which uh, ironically is about him uh, dealing with abuse. the abuse that he suffered as a child, and yeah. he plays his own father, his own a very abusive father. Um, and it's a very good film. Um, but clearly he really hasn't moved on from who he uh, from the abusive stuff and he's got a lot of work yeah. to do um a second ex-girlfriend came forward and said that he also had abused her um the the oh man the stuff that's alleged in the lawsuit it's pretty bad it says things like um when he was this earlier this year he had a movie out the tax collector which is a terrible movie in fact i think it's actually my number one like worst movie of the year um but in that movie he plays this guy who is basically he kills people if they don't pay up for um protective services it's like a uh, yeah anyway uh, but apparently to get into character for that movie he was like going around shooting stray dogs just to feel nothing for killing animals like that kind of stuff this is but really really sick that, that is okay I, i'm just gonna want to interrupt really quickly everyone keeps on describing this as method acting this is not method acting no method is a very particular kind of acting that was taught at the actor's studio going around committing sociopathic acts Mm-hmm. is not method right you don't get to just be an abusive asshole and say like well i'm training for a role it's like no right. that's not how acting works it's it's not like i what the fuck and we really we really need to stop excusing actors from this because yeah. there are because and it's not just shia labeouf it is there there have been all kinds of actors jared leto is another one who like did really fucked up things and they mm -hmm. it kind of got this sort of ah ha ha look how method he is like no this is abuse this is abuse you don't get to abuse your co-stars and then say that it's method acting and that therefore it's okay it's not okay right exactly exactly it's really horrific and when you're i'm sure that some part of him is trying to excuse the behavior because oh well these aren't people's pets but that when you hurt animals for whatever purpose that is psychopathic behavior and yeah that is really really concerning i mean obviously <laughs> abusing women is also very concerning and that's also psychopathic behavior and this all needs to be dealt with but but yeah you're absolutely right the fact that anybody would excuse that as well he's just getting ready for the role the fact that he would try to convince himself that that's why it's okay no <laughs> it's not it's never okay it's really terrible and it's i mean this stuff is just sick like he would 
count the number of times that she had to kiss or touch him in a day uh like just yeah there's yeah, so much just weird weird crap and it's it's one of those things where it's like oh man you know i think a lot of people have kind of been rooting for him to get things together and it seemed like he was finally starting to emerge from some of this stuff but clearly he has not and i mean he really really needs a lot of help a lot he needs to be locked up in an in a facility and get a lot of therapy and (laughs) drugs and whatever and and i mean i think honey boy is a great film um and i think that art obviously can be very therapeutic for people and that that seemed to be what he was trying to do with that um at least in his performance and in his writing etc but that does not mean that it's just going to cure you or that he's got to be able to actually look at his own behavior and decide because it because at this point it's not re- it's not about the abuse that he suffered it is the it is about the abuse that he is committing against other people and animals and like i didn't yeah. even yeah the this is just we really need to stop excusing actors for behaving like this and it is primarily actors we we don't excuse actresses in the same way um and you know you can encourage someone like LaBeouf to get help or everything but this is this is crazy like this is like this is beyond anything that we should really be dealing with right now um right yeah, and yeah. It, it, it reminds me a lot that because recently this week um uh we talked about the Johnny Depp's continuing issues um, but THR published a very good article that doesn't didn't really tell me anything new. If you've been following what's been going around, what's been going on with Depp, um, it's pretty much the same stuff. But just sort of kind of laying out the the collapse of of Depp, and in some ways, LaBeouf is very similar. That you're there is there's a sadness to all of this. It's like this is sad mm-hmm. because this is someone who's very talented and has a lot and had a lot of potential, has a lot of potential etc and it's just obviously so fucked up that and and so incapable of actually seeing that they are fucked up yeah and they need help they need someone that they trust to be able to say to them you need serious psychological and emotional help mm-hmm. in order to to you know become a full person again or something and and it's something similar with depth but depth is obviously off the deep end yeah. um and and it's sad it is sad because yeah you look at these guys you're like these guys are really talented and there's a lot of talent that is still there so there's no reason why they can't get help and improve their lives and improve their art Mm -hmm. but we can't keep on making excuses for them exactly exactly and because making those excuses just enables the behavior to continue and that that needs to stop um one thing that i the, the one thing in all of this where I feel like Shia did do uh, kind of the right thing was in his statement to the New York Times. Now, obviously, he's denying most of what's in the lawsuit, although he didn't deny all of it. So, um, But one thing he did say was, this is a quote, I'm not in any position to tell anyone how my behavior made them feel. 
I have no excuses for my alcoholism or aggression, only rationalizations. I've been abusive to myself and everyone around me for years. I have a history of hurting the people closest to me. I'm ashamed of that history and I'm sorry to those I hurt. There's nothing else I can really say. Now, this is the thing. And I think I was telling you this, Lauren, that uh, I just, everybody who does stuff wrong, they just need to copy and paste that, (laughs) like, point out pull out whatever doesn't apply to them like that is the way you apologize for stuff and it doesn't make it okay but you don't sit there and say either no none of this happened or well i'm sorry if you were offended i'm sorry if you didn't understand it's i'm sorry that i hurt people you know and Mm -hmm. i i don't get to tell you how to feel about what i did like that's the way you handle that now that doesn't excuse all the things that he did and he does need to make that right as much as he can make it right and he needs to correct the behaviors obviously but that's the way you apologize for stuff dudes yeah yeah it's it's one of the few things that he's done right (laughs) and it's really really sad that like i think we talked about this yesterday that i was like i think that he's probably one of the only people that has been accused of abuse who's actually said that yeah he's actually like not apologized not necessarily accepted a responsibility for his behavior but has at least said this you know you have a right to be hurt by me like you have a right to feel hurt and that's it's sad when when we can be like oh that's kind of admirable it's just like no it's not admirable it's like human (laughs) yeah yeah which is weird that someone who has shown such a small like so little empathy and and stuff was able to release a statement that actually does have some degree of empathy behind it so i mean maybe it's because he just didn't write it i don't know but (laughs) anyway let's talk about something more fun let's Let's talk about (laughs) horror movies at christmas time (laughs) uh yes one of my one of the weirder subgenres of horror (laughs) i know and it's great i watched some interesting stuff last night we'll just say that um so uh first of all we did throw out the question of what are some of your favorite christmas horror movies and at the last i looked we only had one response it was from um william bibiani who said home for the holidays a slasher that this is not to be confused with the 1990s rom-com by the way um (laughs) when i saw that initially i was just like are we gonna argue that that's a horror film i mean i guess he kind of could but (laughs) anyway um it's a slasher that predates the original black christmas by several years by the screenwriter of psycho starring sally field eleanor parker jessica walter julie harris and walter brennan nobody ever talks about it but it's pretty cool uh first of all yeah with that cast why does no one ever talk about it second of all why why the hell is it not available anywhere on any streaming services ever you can't even rent it so uh because i tried um it's not available he also added also elves because hfs is elves the weirdest christmas horror movie ever also couldn't find that anywhere either so if anyone knows where we can watch these films, I would really like to see Home for the Holidays. That sounds like just that it sounds cast, amazing. <laughs> just that cast sounds great. Like mm-hmm. I am down for that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. So uh, Lauren, why is it that 
horror movies just especially just are so fun at Christmas. Well, see, this is one of the things that I love about Christmas because I get to tell people this, and a lot of people don't realize this. Christmas for a very long time was basically a, a time for ghost stories. And uh, particularly on Christmas Eve, the Victorians delighted in telling ghost stories to each other. The reason why there are three ghosts in A Christmas Carol is because that's the tradition that Charles Dickens is coming out of. Um, it is a, a horror story. So, you, so there is a tradition of you kind of sit down around the fire, et cetera, and you tell scary stories. Um, a lot of M.R. James's ghost stories, if you've ever read any of those, are based on, um, they're, they're considered to be Christmas ghost stories. So they're the kind of stories that you tell on Christmas Eve in order to scare the children. Um, and when you really think about it, a lot of Christmas traditions, uh, which many of which are based in paganism um, and developments of pagan ideas are scary stories, right? The whole concept of Santa Claus and uh, you know, if you know, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. That's pretty fucking scary. <laughs> um, but for a very long time, you know, we we talk about Krampus. We talk about uh, various figures who are kind of the accompaniment of Santa Claus um, throughout European history, uh, where you've got see so Black Peter and. Um, and different kind of almost demonic figures who are going, who are walking around with Santa Claus, essentially punishing the bad little boys and girls. And that's again, very frightening. And some of those stories are terrifying. Like it's not just getting coal in your stocking. It's like, he will carry you off. <laughs> that's scary, right? So there's, there's this wonderful, I think, kind of very pagan, very um, uh, frightening, uh, sensation around a lot of um, a lot of Christmas and it makes sense it's the it's kind of the it's the beginning of winter it's very close to the winter solstice um, it's that point where everything is getting very dark and cold and everything is dying and so there is that like you know let's build a fire and let's kind of frighten ourselves just a little bit so I, I think that we need to embrace Christmas horror a lot more. And I'm someone who did not embrace the concept of horror at Christmas for a very long time. So I was like, no, Christmas is about light and joy. It's like, yeah, but it's also about the shadows, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think this is where it, I mean, I think it ties into the discussion we had last week of like, really, what is a Christmas movie? Um, and... I yeah I'm I'm like you I hadn't really there's there's always been some that I've enjoyed um over the years but like then there's the movies that are not ghost stories they're not um like uh what's the word supernatural type things um slasher movies how do those tie in <laughs> to Christmas like how yeah. how does that work you know like Black Christmas and there are a few others too. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, I think. Is yeah, another, which I have not big one. seen. Me neither. I just know about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that when you get something like a slasher movie, I do think that Christmas, there's a certain degree of contrast that's going on because we do associate Christmas as being like, oh, it's this time of, of joy, right? Yeah. But it, it can also be, and, you know, people talk about it suicide rates go up of the month mm -hmm. of December and and directly after directly before and after Christmas 
Um, so there is this like darkness, I think, that is connected to it. And that's, and some of what we do during Christmas is kind of a, a an attempt to keep the darkness at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the lighting of candles, lighting of fires, the sort of, we're going to put up all of these decorations. We're going to make everything very bright. Um, but like I said, with brightness comes shadows and those shadows are a part of the season as well. And I think that they are almost this, don't want to get too anthropological, but they are almost this like primitive view of like, okay, this is the time when everything is dying, when all of the, you know, all of the night creatures basically are coming out looking for food and we are trying to protect ourselves. And so I think that in developing horror stories around this time, we kind of engage with with that primitive fear. Um, and, And in some ways kind of, catalyze it be like okay we're going to see the face of the terror basically uh and and dispel it in in some way so when you get something like black christmas the original black christmas which is all like a slasher movie it's the return of the repressed uh so is the new one um Mm -hmm. but it's it's that return it's the that fear the things that are lurking in the shadows that maybe during the summer we don't really pay much attention to but the darker it gets the more we're aware of them yeah, but I think that there's a, an interesting um, uh, paradox going on, too, because I think, like, we're all geared up for horror at Halloween, but then after that, then we get into this, you know, happy time that's all about bringing people together, and I feel like in in a lot of ways that lures us into this false sense of security, even though there's a lot of darkness happening, like you said, and, and a lot of depression and things like that, but I think there's also this ignorance to danger because it's christmas time it's a season of hope and joy and it's another way that in a lot of um in a lot of instances it's another way that we are blind to potential dangers because we're not um necessarily ready for it and i think that's where especially the christmas time slasher movies come in um because you're not as careful or prepared as you might be just a month or two earlier yeah i i would agree with that i think that it all feeds into like you're saying that that paradoxical nature of the season that it is about this light and joy but it is also about this darkness because Mm -hmm. you kind of you kind of can't have one without the other almost yeah it's true so let's talk about some of our favorites well, we talked about this last week a little bit, but I really want to talk about gremlins again, just because yes, I love gremlins. I and gremlins, gremlins scared the shit out of me when I was a kid because mm-hmm. it is not a kid's movie. <laughs> nope. But what, it's maybe what actually, rated PG, but it is not a kid's movie. What actually frightened me is that I made my dad promise he would never climb down the chimney. We didn't have a chimney. <laughs> okay, we did not yeah. actually have a chimney, but I was terrified that he was going to do something like the description in Gremlins. <laughs> and and he was just like, I promise. I was just like, no, you have to promise. Just like, I promise that's not something that I'm going to do. <laughs> and but but like that movie just really, really bothered me. Now that I'm older, I I love it. Like it's a great Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you love about it? um i i like the fact i mean joe dante's sort of 
attitude towards horror I think is always a lot of fun mm -hmm. um but I like the fact that there is this sort of anarchy that gets going that that it isn't just like the gremlins are not just evil they're just like I want to fuck things up you know <laughs> I'm going to you know we're gonna go caroling at at someone's house and like really make a really butchered carols and <laughs> you know we're gonna climb into electrical systems and destroy them you know all of that so it isn't just like um it isn't just you know oh we're gonna murder people as in a slasher movie it's more like we're gonna cause havoc yeah everything we're gonna like burn <laughs> shit down you know and that's that's what's so much fun about it and, and in terms of the actual christmas thing I, I think that again when we were talking about this kind of contrast between the light and the dark you've got this adorable little mugway mm -hmm. who is like the original baby yoda i mean he's so fucking cute <laughs> and he but he, he produces evil i mean that that's what and even evil to the to the extent that he's even scared of them he's like oh no no yeah i think it's interesting that that he wasn't in danger from them though like i think eventually later he kind of is but um but like they're just messing with him <laughs> he's like yeah, they just fuck like, around with them yeah they're not trying to get him but like then there's other people like mrs deagle or whatever that <laughs> in fact they don't really seem to mess with the animals too much either because they just kind of harass barney the dog too i was watching this again recently um yeah uh it's such a fun it's such a fun movie because of exactly that it's just about just like wreaking havoc just causing a lot of chaos you never know what's gonna happen next um and it's there's so many little details of it that are really fun too like listening to the radio show and like <laughs> rocking rowdy or whatever his name is and like the they come into the studio and listening to the police not believe the, what's happening and then all of a sudden they like are completely outnumbered they don't know where where to where to go what to do next they're just getting all these really weird reports all over town and and it's just fun like when uh when they're running through down like through main street or whatever and it's like just just absolute madness and it's so much fun mm -hmm. endlessly rewatchable yeah i love that movie yeah uh let's see what's another one we should talk about um well, well i i wanted to mention rare exports yes um, which is on shutter and i have not watched it yet. in fact shutter has a dark christmas like category so check that out there's some interesting stuff there uh yeah and, and rare exports is is a lot of fun and it's um it, it kind of it's it's this sort of hearkening back to what we were talking about the kind of old old mythologies more about santa claus but um it's it's a finnish film and basically what happens is a british research team is like doing um core samples in the way 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 far north in uh in finland and lapland and what they what happens is they awaken sort of the uber santa claus he's like this old demon basically <laughs> um and he controls all of these other Santa Clauses, hmm. uh, who are essentially his like evil elves, and the and the, and this then becomes basically about the story of this boy and his father who who find um, one of these evil elves, and they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. 
uh, and I'm not going to spoil the entire thing because it really is a lot of fun, but it, it basically turns into this, this Christmas monster movie that is somewhat similar to Krampus in the sense that it's like this awakening of this demon that then um, wreaks havoc on this family. But it's also about like fighting back, it, you know, it's again, it's that fighting back against the darkness and it takes place in Finland. So you've got this very sort of sardonic, dry Finnish humor. Uh, <laughs> the Finns also do think that Lapland is apparently where Santa Claus comes from. I remember having an argument with my Finnish flatmate uh, <laughs> once about this. She was just like, no, Santa's from Lapland. I was like, where the fuck do you get that Santa's from Lapland? Santa is from the North Pole. And we just like had this whole debate about like where Santa comes from. And just like, no, well, Lapland is the North Pole. <laughs> okay fine whatever just like i know that santa comes from lapland <laughs> so it's a lot of fun like i really recommend it awesome yeah no that's on my list on shutter um but while i was scrolling through that uh collection of dark christmas movies i found last night christmas evil which john waters has called the greatest christmas movie ever made oh my god i need to see it yeah so i watched it <laughs> it's from 1980 <laughs> oh no and it was like oh okay this is taxi driver at christmas time it's oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's basically it's about this guy who um when he was a kid it like the the truth about santa claus was ruined for him in a pretty uh interesting way a way that no kid should have to experience and um anyway so he grows up but for some reason he's still obsessed with santa claus and um as an adult he like works this toy factory and um he's totally obsessed with santa and he gets really harassed by people at work and stuff and then there's like these kids that live across the street and there's one little girl who's super sweet and then there's like these boys that are just like total assholes and so he just dresses up like Santa on I guess on Christmas Eve and um, decides to punish the naughty people <laughs> so it's it's really wild the last it, it's very um, it's one where like it's a lot of buildup and the first murder doesn't happen until almost an hour in but then the payoff at the end is pretty great um it's it's a pretty crazy yeah the last like 10 minutes are, are nuts but um wow yeah it's <laughs> you definitely need to watch it but i did feel like okay i would probably feel differently about this if i had watched it 40 or even 30 years ago but now i'm just so tired of sad white dudes who have no reason to be sad uh -huh. <laughs> just like destroying things so yeah I it's like that. it's definitely not aged well well i mean you know whenever john waters <laughs> recommends a film you should always be like oh this yeah is something i want to see yeah you know you know you know it's gonna be really weird it's gonna be crazy apparently he used to show this at his christmas party every year i don't doubt it <laughs> yeah and um 
it's when you watch it it makes total sense that john waters would love this movie and it's not even that i didn't like it i i thought it was interesting i'm glad i've i'm glad i've seen it it just was like thematically i'm like so over the shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there's always that there's definitely been some films that i've seen recently that i'm like you know what if i if i would turn my turn off my brain a little bit i could probably enjoy this but god i'm mad about this sort of thing Uh uh-huh yeah i did think it was interesting because the guy that plays the main character in it is fiona apple's father and people were like there was all these articles about that i was like oh that's fun that's a fun little random trivia fact Mm, interesting yeah (laughs) so what's another one you got well i do i do think that we need to talk about not the original black christmas but the remake of black christmas which we have mentioned previously and i have said numerous times that i believe every um every man needs to see that movie and understand it Mm -hmm. uh because I, I mean, I loved it, and I wish that I had. Um, I wish that I'd gone to see it in the theaters because it, it had. It was. It was released in a very small um, window, and I just did not get to see it in theaters. But I did finally get to watch. It. I rented it uh, uh, this this year, I think, actually. <laughs> um, and and it's such a a good film, and it made me so angry. Um, because it got at the reality of things but it's it's again it's it's interesting to take you know slasher films and to kind of give them this feminist twist mm-hmm. and to do this you know again it, it is a kind of a question well is it really a christmas movie because of it really just takes place at christmas there's not much there's not much other christmasy things about it um but at the same time, you've got this, again, this darkness that's like, okay, we're going to deal with this now, uh, rather than continue to sort of brush it aside and to sort of decide, oh, well, that's just the way the world is. Like, no, we're going we're gonna to actually, actually deal with misogyny and violent misogyny um, and this whole kind of forcing women to be in their place and everything. And it is such a fun film. Uh, it is an enraging film. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and so well done and I completely get why a certain swath of dude critics hated it <laughs> and that's why everybody should watch it because I trust me like if you have not seen this movie there is a reason why there are some men that hate it <laughs> yep yeah well and it's the movie that explains yes all men um yeah and in really in really explicit terms like it is right. It is does not pull punches. That's the thing that I really liked about it. It, there, it wasn't allegorical. It wasn't like, you know, we're we're going to sort of gently hint at this. Just like, no, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does drive home the point of complicity and and how even if you are not the perpetrator, if you are not taking a stand against this stuff, then you are also guilty and. And that goes for women too, because there's a lot of women who protect that behavior, and um, and it just it does such a good job of confronting that, like really truly confronting it, and it's just yeah, it's it's such a, a I feel like it's uh, in a lot of ways a cathartic experience too watching it, and I was rewatching the original last night because it'd been a while since I'd seen that. And I was thinking about how 
how different they are. I mean, they have the same basic premise of these sorority girls in a house and someone's coming after them, but um, there's some really important differences. And I think the biggest thing is, is the theme because in the original, the killer, like, obviously it's crazy and you don't really know exactly what he's doing, what he's doing. But in this, it's, it's very clear what's like by the time you get to the end you know motives you know uh everything you need to know and um it's just so it's just so compelling and it just is so good to watch and uh yeah i love that movie yeah um also carrie elwis is out is having a great time so there's that (laughs) he's so yeah he's so he's so gross he's so gross <laughs> yep. i'm just like oh this is good i really hate you <laughs> uh-huh yep exactly so i think maybe part of the reason that i was a little bit um just annoyed by christmas evil last night was because right before it i'm telling you go on this collection on shutter um not all of them are going to be good but there was one that caught my attention it was called um better watch out from like a couple years ago and i was like "Ooh, this sounds really interesting and i watched it and uh, i'm like it really did not set me up for another movie about a white boy who's just mad at the world for no real reason because that's what better watch out is um it's basically this it's like a babysitter story and for some reason these parents hire this babysitter to take care of their 14 year old son or how old he's supposed to be and he's got a crush on the babysitter and uh he's reading this thing about how like um girls uh like basically that if you make girls scared that they'll you know be all into you or whatever um and so he's trying to do that well then things go wrong <laughs> very wrong it's not a great movie don't watch it but um (laughs) but uh it's just it was another one where it was just yeah that that whole thing of of um just male entitlement and it could have been done better it was one where i wished i was like i would love to see a a female version of this like a, a remake of this story just uh yeah anyway yeah, I haven't seen that one, but see, I, I do admit that I avoid some of these films a little bit because because so many of them sound exactly like that, that it's mm-hmm. just, it's a slasher movie with a Christmas theme that, you know, is basically about sad white boys. Yep. And I'm like, I don't care about sad white boys anymore. Sad white boys can go fuck themselves. Like, just exactly. like, oh, isn't, isn't it scary? It's just like, you know, like, give me the driller killer, to be honest. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is not... Yeah. That is not a sad white boy. No, no, that is in the, a weirdly hot rock star. In, in, in the sequel, I'm talking about the sequel, the, yes. the original, like less so. But but yeah, even that, the that's first a very one, that he's one. a sad white guy. But in the second yeah. one, he's just really hot. He's just this really hot demonic like rocker. Like, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> wow, wow, Karen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so (laughs) Krampus, Krampus, let us us mention Krampus, which I adore. Uh, And and again, that it kind of comes 
back to you know something similar to gremlins it has that that humor to it mm -hmm. and um and and that anarchy also that a lot of it isn't really just about the Krampus it's about like all of the weird little creatures that come out <laughs> I've um, never looked at gingerbread men the same way yeah exactly and it's just fucking funny like and, and also frightening like I actually did find it quite scary <laughs> mm -hmm. well and it's got such a great cast it was interesting because I had never heard this legend before the movie came, before the Tony Collette movie came out um but apparently there's like lots of versions of this and and uh i i don't know i was really surprised by that but um but yeah it's got oh man who else is in this adam scott um conchata farrell allison tolman i love her um so it's got this really fun cast and it's just this crazy story and yeah i agree with you it's it's so fun just watch like just chaos ensue and watching people get attacked by like their christmas tree and stuff all because and this is what we were talking about last week where it's about not just that it's set at christmas time but it also embraces the, the spirit of christmas and krampus is very much because of the fact that everyone's just kind of like whatever christmas like who cares you know it's all about just tradition for tradition's sake and nobody has yeah. that spirit anymore and that comes back to get them well yeah and it's and it's that kind of horror of the holidays also of, and by that i mean when if you if you're from one of those families where like tons of people get together and then all of the anger comes out all of the like you know there's there's this certain i think that some of it is that there's so much pressure to be happy Mm -hmm. that everyone is just like well i'm really resentful of you from what you did in 1973 you know <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of thing so there's all of this you know uh family conflict that develops partially because just everybody's getting together but also because it's the holidays and there's like this traditional aspect to it that this is what we do on the holidays kind of thing right it's just you have to just suck it up this person's gonna come over and that person's gonna do that and it's just this is just what we do because we're family and we have to and it's part of that forced <laughs> forced alliance i guess so yeah and yeah, it's just a lot of fun it is it is a fun movie in fact i need to watch it again it's been a while <laughs> i should just make that part of the holiday rotation um let's see you also added anna and the apocalypse which i regret to admit that i have not seen it Anna and the apocalypse i didn't love it the way that i think a lot of people did but i get why people like it it's it's a christmas zombie movie mm -hmm. um, which i didn't even realize it was a christmas time movie until just this week when people were talking about it yeah it's like a christmas time zombie musical comedy um oh. And, and I think that it misses some beats for me. I think that there are places where it actually gets too serious and which bugged me just a little bit. I was like, I think you really needed to push harder on the, the humor here than, than the dark shit. Um, but it has a lot of really good elements to it. And, um, and I think for that reason that, that it's, it's definitely one to watch and see what you feel about it. Um, this got some great music and some really bizarre like musical cuts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely something I think to to see, even though I have very mixed feelings about it. Yeah, 
it's one that I've been meaning to watch. I just haven't. And people have loved it and have been talking about it for three years. And I know I suck. I still haven't seen it. And I think it's on Amazon Prime. So I just need to watch it. So, um, well, here are a few others that uh, are just. I found this list on Rotten Tomatoes of 28 Christmas horror movies ranked worst to best. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, the Dorm That Dripped Blood from 1982, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Jack Frost from 1996. ATM, which I've never heard of. Um, the 2006 Black Christmas, 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, which is on Shudder. I saw that, but I was like, but I haven't seen the first one. Will I be confused? <laughs> um, I was wondering about that, too. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll watch it, but, but what, do I need to know something beforehand? Or is this like, because honestly, I kind of wish that I had watched Slumber Party Massacre 2 before I saw Slumber Party Massacre uh-huh. 1, just because I loved it so much, and then I could have seen it earlier. But. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. While She Was Out from 2008 with Kim Basinger, Lucas Haas, Craig Sheffer, and Jamie Starr never heard of it um female director look at that now i'm gonna have to find this a suburban housewife heads out for a quick trip to the local mall only to find herself trapped in sorry cut off oh now i just found another thing that says oh push to the breaking point never mind i don't want to watch this push to the breaking point an abused woman turns the tables on the gang of thugs who want to beat and rape her maybe we'll skip that one jesus christ i know (laughs) although if she's turning the tables and they haven't then maybe i don't know um let's see p2 is a christmas movie i had no idea um Black Christmas from 2019. There's Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> the first one. Uh, Wind Chill from 2007. That's with Emily Blunt. Um, Red Christmas, which. Oh, D. Wallace. That is the mom from E.T. And I believe that that's on um, uh... Shutter shutter yeah mm-hmm. yeah um saint whoever slew auntie rue from 1971 <laughs> shelly winters oh man <laughs> that sounds great uh the gingerbread man from 2005 i feel like i remember that movie but i didn't see it but gary Busey's in it i was gonna say are you sure it's not the ginger dead man (laughs) oh it is ginger dead man sorry i read that wrong (laughs) the ginger dead man i i highly encourage you to go to youtube and watch some clips from that because it is fucking insane awesome okay i will (laughs) let's see uh silent night this is number 14 silent night um from 2012 malcolm mcdowell donald logue uh, a loose remake of the horror classic silent night deadly night uh krampus is at number 13 the 1974 black christmas is at number 12 
the lodge oh yeah the lodge does that actually does take place at christmas i didn't even think about it but yeah this this year's film the lodge with riley keogh um and jaden martell it's uh i feel like i need to watch it again because when i saw it i did not love it but i also wasn't sure that i disliked it either so i need to give that another shot i really like the director's other movie good night mommy which i know i've mentioned here but uh number 10 is dead end from 2003 uh number nine is christmas evil john waters favorite christmas movie uh number eight the day of the beast i don't know that movie no me neither it's a I saw spanish it. language film from alex de, de la iglesia hmm. um the children 2008 never heard of that either unsettling and spine chilling low budget british horror with effective and disturbing scares hmm. number six is anna and the apocalypse five is a christmas horror story which i think is also on shutter right now william shatner <laughs> uh I think, I think that i've actually seen that one is that is that one of the it's it's like a um it's an anthology film where it's like yes separate stories that yeah are kind of loosely tied together it actually it's fun it's not great but it's one of those that like i think i had it on in like the background while i was cooking or something and it was it was diverting so it was it was enjoyable not too scary but not like too absorbing okay cool yeah i'll check it out uh number four is inside a l'intérieur from 2007 it's a french film um let's see number three is gremlins number two is better watch out what that's that one i was watching last night yeah Mm -mm, no 89 percent on rotten tomatoes people are crazy and number one any guesses no <laughs> it is one that we have actually talked about today is it rare exports it is oh good the highest rated christmas horror movie on rotten tomatoes is rare exports 90 percent <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. i i have to say that if you google just christmas horror movies and you scroll through the like most popular ones home alone is on there <laughs> <laughs> i mean i, I like, guess it's a horror movie depending on your perspective i mean you can read it like that <laughs> definitely but i was like that's an interesting one all right um and and also uh i didn't remember that this takes place partially at christmas i believe but curse of the cat people oh. um which is the sequel to the the val luton film cat yeah. people but is much more about the kind of relationship between um irena who is not spoiler alert for cat people who is dead and um the daughter of the main couple from cat people and it's it's actually it's more almost like a fairy tale than it is a horror film or like a, a supernatural movie um because this is a girl who's basically her she's becomes friends she befriends irena um and her parents are constantly trying to like suppress her imagination basically and it's about like them sort of accepting that their daughter is strange and is different and that that's okay hmm. 
Yeah, I've seen it. It's just been a really long time. I don't remember that. And I definitely did not remember that any of it took place at Christmas time. That's interesting. I need to watch I need to watch both the Cat People movies again. I was always really surprised by Curse of the Cat People because it's such a different movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, are there any others you wanted to mention before we wrap up? That's pretty much it. I mean, of course, you can always watch the, you know, a version of the original, like, Christmas horror story, um, A a Christmas Carol, which involves ghosts. So (laughs) That is true. And And also has, like, the scary, scary ghost of Christmas uh, future, who is terrifying. He pretty much is. It's true. In any version. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. He's always terrifying because the future is scary because it's unknown um it's funny because i mean i don't know what what version is your personal favorite but mine is mickey's christmas carol and that's scary too it is it is and i mean even goofy as marley is is pretty scary in the beginning like and it's goofy but um but i saw that that we used to watch it every year and sometimes multiple times in a year and i loved that version and to me that's like the definitive version and when i finally read a christmas carol when i was older it's like and now i read it every year it's so funny because it's like i they did such a good job with the disney one that it's like as i'm reading charles dickens <laughs> i'm like picturing goofy's face on the door knocker and all this <laughs> stuff it's like i can't get it out of my head i've never been able to <laughs> so it's like when i'm reading charles dickens novel i picture mickey and donald and yeah <laughs> yeah i i really like a muppet's christmas carol that one's great too yeah um and and i also and the one with uh george c scott tends to be my family's kind of favorite Mm, version that one's a good one too yeah um and what was what's really funny is that uh part of that film was actually filmed in shrewsbury in um in the uk and there's a and there's a cemetery that stood in for the cemetery where scrooge finds his grave Mm. and you and there's still a tombstone that if you look if you look at it upside down someone has carved ebenezer scrooge um and it's still there it was there like the last time i went to shrewsbury so i think that's very cool (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) how fun well yeah so i think that that's uh that's about all we got this week so let us know what some of your favorite christmas horror movies are and um whether they're ones that we mentioned today or ones that we didn't and um yeah because we want to know what you're watching um and there are lots of ways that you can reach out to us of course um you can find us on patreon if you want to help support the show it's patreon.com slash citizen dame and um I know we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, but by the end of this month, our like going into 2021, our tiers are going to be all figured out and aligned. It's going to be cool. Uh, we're very excited for some of the stuff that's coming. Uh, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, we do have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizendamepod. We'll be adding some new stuff um, for you. And um, But there's already some great stuff. There's t-shirts, there's masks, there's all kinds of stuff. Wear your fucking mask. Uh, and of course we have our ko-fi account which is ko-fi.com slash citizen dame 
and you can find us all kinds of ways if you want to send us messages and love letters it's twitter and instagram at citizen dame pod and we do have our email which is citizen at gmail.com and of course be sure to check out our actual official website which is citizen you can also find us individually lauren where are you I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH Business. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. No, no. What happened? He hates bright lights. You know, there's some things I forgot to tell you guys, and they're really important. Number one, he hates bright lights. We know that. But you've got to keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two... Keep him away from water. Don't give him any water to drink. And whatever you do, don't give him a bath. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. <laughs>